As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to episode 92, brought to you by the Health, Hope, and Inspiration podcast and Canvas People. For three free downloads and to subscribe to Health, Hope, and Inspiration, go to hhidownload.com. And for your free 11 by 14 Canvas from Canvas People, you just pay shipping and handling. Text LOVELY to 797979. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome to Cultivating the Lovely. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppa. You can find out more about the podcast at cultivatingthelovely.com in our Yellow Brick Road membership community at patreon.com slash cultivatingthelovely and in our Facebook group. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram where you can find me at Mackenzie Coppa. That's M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E-K-O-P-P-A. As you ladies probably know, a lot of the guests that I have on the show are people who their publicists come to me and want to get them on the show to be promoting something and talking about something. But I like to sprinkle in guests who I just genuinely want on the show as well. People I've thought of at the beginning of the season who I think would be amazing guests to be talking to all of us about things we're really interested in, things I hear from you guys that you're interested in. And today's guest is one of those people. It is Jen Giles Kemper from Sacred Ordinary Days. And you guys, our interview was so good and so deep and so long that we are actually turning this one interview into two episodes. So you will get to hear from Jen not only this week, but next week as well. In these episodes, Jen and I talk about our own religious background and why even though we didn't grow up with liturgy, we're finding parts of it to be really useful to our faith. Jen goes into the background and kind of the structure of the liturgical year, how you can use it for your own spiritual walk with God. And then we also get into using it in the Advent season because we all want to make Advent more meaningful without adding a lot of extra to-dos. I'm sure you feel that way as well. So I really hope that these episodes with Jen are super interesting to you guys. I, of course, will have my thoughts on the interview posts going up in our Patreon community, along with all the other fun Patreon stuff that we have going on. You might be really interested in those posts, and you can go to patreon.com slash cultivating 
being the lovely. But I also wanted to note that Jen said, she mentions it in one of these episodes, but she is actually going to be in our Facebook group, just our regular old Cultivating the Lovely Facebook group, not even the Patreon account, to be answering your questions about these episodes. So if you would like to hop over there, you can search it on Facebook and be able to find it really easily. And we would love to be able to get you that extra content and your personal questions answered by Jen. Also, if you happen to just like really love these episodes and think they're great or any of our other episodes, it would be awesome if you would hop over onto iTunes and leave a rating and review. People get busy during the holiday season. I totally understand that. But when you can give us that little extra boost of letting people know that you really like the show and doing it in iTunes, it makes a really big difference. And it would just be an awesome way for you to give like us a little high five. So thank you to all of you who do that. One last thing, we released a holiday gift guide this year. And it's a pretty fun gift guide if I do say so myself because we've got things like self-care and planning and huga and books and decor and fun stuff like that that you may not find on other gift guides. We hope that you will really like it. If you want access to that, you can go to boldturquoise.com slash gift guide. And while you're over there, you might as well subscribe to our email list so that you can get all the new news on what's going out. We're trying to release a more weekly email that's very short but just lets you know what's happening within the Cultivating the Lovely in the same page universe. All right, I think that's all my things. Let's get on with this episode with Jen Giles Kemper. Welcome, Jen. Thanks so much, Mackenzie. I'm thrilled to chat with you. I am so excited about this interview because, you know, I have a lot of people approach me about being on the show. I hear from a lot of PR people and a lot of people who are writing books and, you know, want to get on the show. But I also like to filter in throughout all those kinds of episodes, people who I just really love their work and I'm really interested in what they're doing and that I just pick and want to have on the show. And so when I was planning out this year's episodes, you were at the top of my list to have heading into the Advent season. So I'm so excited to have you on. Oh my gosh, that means so much. And as someone who has been in a season where I have done very little marketing and very little reaching out for a while, um, I'm really grateful to have opportunities to connect with people and have really enjoyed listening to your podcast since you reached out and have several favorite episodes that I can't wait to share with our people too. Yay, I am so glad. Yeah, I think it's been very evident that you've been busy at home with little (laughs) people and I kept telling my my friend who is like my marketing gal kind of and we had contacted you and you'd said yes and then we hadn't heard back I was like I think she's just busy but I can't drop this like you have got to keep emailing her because I have to have her on the show bless you both I was so grateful and it was an easy yes and then it was also um it's such a busy season yeah um we've our son's adoption is a week from today. And I never imagined that there would be so many last minute things when we're kind of in like a 20 plus month process. Like how is it possible there are still things left to do, but there are, and they're all showing up like (laughs) now-ish. Of course. I know I have a friend who's about to adopt out of the foster care system, or they've been like getting all of their paperwork in place and then they're waiting for a placement and just Mm. watching them go through that process of just getting ready. Like they don't even have the kids in their house yet, (laughs) you know, like just having all the pieces in place and all the crazy amounts of paperwork and like, it's intense, girl. It is. Well, and we actually, that's, that's the process that we've been in. Um, except we had to do everything twice because we did it all 
to begin with, um, with zero anticipation that our nephew would become our son. And then right as we finished all of our training and certification, which is a long process, appropriately so, then Guy became a part of our family. And then, yeah, yeah, as things progressed, (laughs) our um, certification ran out and we had to redo everything. And so, yeah, it's been a fun fun process. process. one I've been so grateful for, but um, long, and I'm ready for it to be over. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine. So I just kind of jumped the gun, though, and entered right into our conversation. I forgot to say, would you like to introduce yourself to people who aren't (laughs) familiar with you and where they can find you? Yes, that would be great. So I'm Jen Giles Kemper, and I have Sacred Ordinary Days. You can find us at sacredordinarydays.com, of course, or on social media under that same name. Um, It's been really fun. Over the last couple of years, we've created and cultivated a number of resources for spiritual formation. If spiritual formation is not a familiar phrase for you, you might think discipleship, um, becoming more like Christ. And so, yeah, we create and curate and share resources for that. And the main thing that we do is a tool. Um, I worked as a spiritual director for several years, walking with people as they examine their own lives and hold them up to God and figure out how to notice and discern is kind of the point of spiritual direction, helping you tend to your relationship with God. Um, And in those conversations and relationships, the thing that I noticed over and over and over and over was that most of us don't need new things to learn. I mean, occasionally, sometimes, but not constantly, right? Yeah. Yeah. And rather than constantly learning new things, what we need is help to put into practice and actually do the things that we already know are life-giving and that we already know bring us into a deeper relationship with God. And so I thought, okay, rather than writing more stuff, teaching more stuff, I would rather help usher people into an ever-deepening practice of what the church across denominations, across the world, um, is, is... already been teaching for a long time Mm -hmm. works. Um, and so it's been neat to get to do that and to get to introduce people who might not otherwise come across some of these spiritual practices or rhythms to get to invite them in. Yeah. Well, and I just, it's been fun from kind of the outside watching your journey because I mean, what year was it that you came out with the podcast? Ooh. Um, so I have to track backwards. We launched the planner in September, 2015 on Kickstarter. And then my friend Lacey and I started, um, and did the first season of our podcast, I guess, starting that about this time that year, um, okay. came out in December, 2015. And we did one year, like, you know, about 15 episodes. Um, and then I fully intended to take a break for the summer and come back for the fall. And it just, <laughs> all got pressed pause on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, those things happen in life. But sure. even that one season that you did was so good. I still refer mm. people to it. And so I was thinking that was probably the timeline that was around the same time that my podcast launched. Okay. And so, you know, I was doing a lot of listening and, you know, just trying to get my bearings in the podcasting world. And some good friends of mine had been listening to your show and recommended it to me. And so I was a little bit late to the game. I didn't start Mm. from like day one, but I was a few months in and I just started binge listening because I came from, you know, a very non-denominational Christian culture. 
Yeah. And really, in a lot of ways, I'm still existing in that culture. But Mm. from where I was, it was basically looked at that anything that was any sort of tradition or liturgy or anything like that was just inherently bad or wrong. Like my dad was raised a Catholic and it really turned him off from the faith for many years. And Mm -hmm. there was just something about, you know, just they just said, you know, it just be if it becomes rote, then there's it's just something you go and do, but you're not actually thinking about what you're doing. And I think that that can be applied to to any type of faith or religion that you have, you know, anything if you're just doing it to do it, even reading your Bible to a certain extent, like if you're just like trying to check the thing off the list, you know, and you're not allowing it to do that deeper work, it's it's going to become something that's rote. But it wasn't until I started listening to your podcast that I realized, oh, like there were there was actual purpose and why they created, Mm. you know, the church calendar and those sorts of things. And I think anything within religion, we can end up twisting and making it as something it wasn't intended to be. But if you come back to those original core ideas of why it was created, you know, how the church calendar was to mimic the life of Christ and take us into deeper relationship with what he went through. And like those things, if you let them be what they were intended, can have huge power in your life. And that was just so interesting to me. And so it's a thought that I've, you know, kind of played around with for a lot of years now, trying to figure out what that looks like for me. I finally got your planner Mm -hmm. this year because do you still have them? Are they still on the whole 50% off thing? We do. Our academic year planners are 50% off right now. And then next week, um, they uh, will have our new 2019 planners available. Oh, fun. Awesome. That is so great news, you guys. So that'll actually have been a couple of weeks ago when this podcast goes out. So go get them. Go get them. Get ready. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. They're right where you need them when you need them. Um, I just, I've been so impressed with it. I'm just kind of getting it, getting into it. I've only had it for maybe two weeks and it's just so beautifully done and so simple. And I'm excited to really start using it in the Advent season and going into 2019 and really letting it like be everything that it is. But before we even like dive into that, I want to just get more like, tell me about your faith history. How did you get to Sacred Ordinary Days? Well, first I want to say thank you. That means so much. What you have just described is exactly what I hoped. Yeah. And um, your experience is really similar to a lot of people in our communities. And so um, I actually did a poll on Insta stories the other day, which I know is not like super scientific. <laughs> um, but every time I ask this question, I get the exact same result within about two or three points. Um, when I asked in our audience who goes to a church that is called liturgical or part of a liturgical denomination. And, um, normally what people mean by that is kind of more high church yeah, versus low church. So kind of more smells and bells, some people say, <laughs> yeah. or, um, something with more tradition or more formal liturgy. Every single time I ask the question, it's 50, 50 every wow. time. And so that tells me that my hope for this is working. I wanted to bring these resources to people that might not otherwise find them because you had to know the language to learn the language. At least that was my experience. Like I had to know what liturgy meant to even ask a question that would lead me the next step down the path. 
And that just seems so silly to me. And so I found that it's been helpful having grown up. Um, and so this is a little bit about my experience, but yeah. having grown up as a Baptist pastor's daughter, um, okay. my dad was actually a minister of education. Um, and so discipleship and formation were his wheelhouse. But having grown up in Baptist settings, you know, this is a non-liturgical denomination. Yeah. And I did not have experiences of the church calendar growing up at all. And based on that, when I found myself introduced in college and found myself really hungering for some more anchor points, and that's how I think of them. Mm -hmm. I think of um, the different practices that we teach and, for example, the rhythm of the Christian year. Sometimes it's called the church year or the liturgical year. All it is is an anchor point that the church, again, across denominations, across the world, has set down and said, if you follow this rhythm, it will help your life, your heart, your soul move in pace and in time with God and with the church. And so it's just an anchor point to keep me from floating and bobbing without ever plumbing the depths, right? Sure. Today, one of our sponsors deals with a not-so-fun topic, cancer, but it also brings hope along with it. Because did you know that according to the American Cancer Society's January 2017 report, cancer death rates in the U.S. dropped 25% since 1991. A cancer diagnosis has historically been considered by many as life-threatening, but that is not always the case. If you or someone you love has cancer, there is hope. In recent years, there have been some amazing discoveries by the medical community. New techniques, treatments, drug therapies, there is hope. Every week on the Health, Hope, and Inspiration podcast, Reverend Percy McRae will inspire you with practical information for your real-life questions about cancer prevention, treatment, and overall healthy living. Each program is designed to encourage your heart, educate your mind, strengthen your body, build your faith, and give you hope. Visit hhidownload.com today to subscribe to Health, Hope, and Inspiration, and you will receive three free downloads, cancer-fighting recipes, reducing your risk for cancer, and four things every cancer patient must do. That's hhidownload.com. Being able to offer that and invite people in and be a translator, we I see myself as really standing at a number of intersections between you know, high church and low church traditions between, um, women's ministries and men's ministries, which has been really interesting because, um, so many people work like yourself, um, are are called to work specifically speaking to and speaking into the lives of women Mm -hmm. or specifically speaking into and speaking into the lives of men. And what I was hungry for and couldn't find were some really great resources that could speak to both and had, a conversation that involved both, um, as well as communities, um, and resources that were created to be used intergenerationally. That was another thing that I was really hungry for. I thought like, Mm. I was tired of having resources that were created for me as a 20 something, as a single person, as a newlywed, as a whatever, super helpful, really, really glad people create those resources. I just found in different seasons of my life that I was hungry for something else and I had a hard time finding it. And so that's been part of what we've created is an intergenerational male and female, um, increasingly interracial mm-hmm. and global community of Christians who yeah. are hungry and eager to anchor their lives to the life of Christ. So 
it's been a fun, it's been a fun journey. Yeah. Well, it just, it made me think of something as you were saying, like a resource that, that wasn't so specific, that it could be intergenerational and, you know, go across all those borders. And without even thinking about it, I think I do appreciate that about this because so many of the things that even I encounter are specifically for wives and I am no longer a wife. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's not like I get all hung up on that when something comes up in a devotional or whatever. You just kind of like pass over it or, you know, but it is nice when you don't have to think about it and you can just kind of get to the core of what it is you're trying to do. And it is such just a simplified system. Like it's just, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. And I, I think you're right. So often we find ourselves able to and therefore glossing over different things that um, come up in spiritual teaching or in church settings. And you can, and so you do. But yeah. it's really nice when you don't have to, mm-hmm. but something is still deep enough to speak to you where you are without yeah. naming it for you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I grew up as a, a Baptist minister's daughter in the South, in Georgia primarily, um, came to college in Texas. And so... I've grown up mostly in the Bible Belt (laughs) and grew up mostly in cities and towns that, um, yeah, were primarily evangelical, often very Baptist, very non-denominational. And so none of the stuff that I teach about now was familiar to me in growing up. Yeah. But I often found myself really hungry for deeper resources than I was being given. I didn't need to be given another prayer journal, for example. Yeah. I, I just needed to be taught another way to pray, another way to experience God and draw near to God. Um, I also remember having so many experiences where the things that I was being taught just did not resonate with my heart and did not feel true in my experience of God and of scripture. And so I found myself struggling with that at times, which ultimately came down to a question of discernment, like how does one hear the voice of God? How does one listen? How do you figure out what is the voice of God and what is not the voice of God? Mm. And then what do you do about it when you are a part of communities that love you and that love God and are doing their best to help you find God? Mm-hmm. And there's just a miss. Yeah. Um, and so I'm glad that I had those early experiences that helped teach me that stuff and helped me experience it young enough to know oh, this is normal. This is common. Everyone has these experiences if they're paying attention. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing. It's a sign of growth and maturity and depth. It's not a sign of um, what I often wondered, like, am I crazy that I like that? I think God is calling me to something that my outer context tells me is like not even remotely possible. So like what's going on there? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's really interesting how we all kind of struggle with those questions and then it's just trying to figure out how how to get to the answers but right. it's, it's a good sign that you're like if you have questions it's not that you're doubting or you're not going to be a believer or, you know like it's it's good because that drives us to to go deeper into our faith absolutely it drives you deeper into your faith it drives you deeper into you know the work that you need to do on yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I do that work in prayer for sure, but I also do that work in counseling. I do that work mm-hmm. in my marriage and in my close friendships. And that's the other thing. It drives yeah. you 
deeper into your relationships when you are hungry and you're asking, um, and drives you deeper into the communities that you're a part of, like your, hopefully your church community, you Mm -hmm. can hold those questions in common and yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful thing to be able to do. Yeah. So was there a certain person that helped you figure out, like (laughs) reveal this whole thing to you or was there a book or like, what was it that sparked your interest and got you to really start pursuing more of the liturgical side of things. Yeah. So um, my dad actually gave me the Book of Common Prayer, which is a resource that is Episcopal, Anglican, um, but used much more widely than that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is exactly like I love the name. It is a book for prayer that you hold in common, that the church holds in common. You know, it's like really clear. (laughs) Nothing fancy or um, creative about it, the book of common prayer. And, and so he gave me that when I was in college and hungry and searching and tired of reading devotionals. And I thought like, I just, I want a way to read scripture that other people are reading scripture. I don't want to have to like buy another Bible reading plan. I don't want to have to um, buy another devotional to hear somebody else's thoughts on scripture. Mm -hmm. Like I want to read scripture for myself but I want to do it in a way that still feels like I'm a part of something bigger because I'm an extrovert, if I'm being honest, and yeah. like I'm an external processor. And so being able to read scripture privately, personally, but be able to do it in conversation with a like the larger church. Sure. I didn't even know that that's what I was missing, but that's what I was missing. Yeah. Um, and so it's been great to be able to do that. And it has brought my personal, private, devotional life into um a more corporate experience, which allows me to share it and ask questions because other people are reading the same things at the same time and bump up across the same scripture that makes them go, what, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's been great, but he gave me the book of common prayer and, but I had the experience that I talked about earlier where so much of it, I felt like I needed to know the language to learn the language. And Mm -hmm. you know, when you're learning an actual language, um, you go to classes and you go to, um, you read, books and there are audio lessons and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, there are various resources which are kind of different doors for entering in. They exist. I know that now, but at the time I could not find what those resources were that were going to be my door in. And, um, so in the book of common prayer, they outline, um, a lectionary, which just means, a One set of big words again. Scriptures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a big word. It seems confusing or intimidating, but no, all it means is a set of scriptures. And, um, and so each week, and then also there's a, a daily office each day you read scripture, old Testament, new Testament, gospel, um, epistle. Mm-hmm. And so you get to go through not all of scripture, but, a really good chunk of scripture mm-hmm. and you get to do it in a way that you're reading small enough portions each day that you can meditate and chew and like actually read them. Mm-hmm. But enough each day that you're not like going so slow that you lose track of what's happening and where you are. If that yeah. Makes, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I've loved both of those aspects of it. And also you go to lots of churches um, of lots of different denominations and they're chewing on the same texts at yeah. the same time. And so that's yeah. also been really beautiful. Yeah, I think that's one of the other things that 
in learning about it, it's like, oh, it not only is a way for you to go into your personal, you know, experience with God, like you've been talking about, but it really connects you to this larger body of believers around the globe. And it was something I didn't ever realize either that like, oh, there are people all over the world who read the same parts of the Bible at the same time. It was just such a foreign concept to me, not having grown up in a liturgical church. Right. I I find it really comforting. Yeah. Um, I, the other book that I read that really sparked something within me is Lauren Winner's, um, one of her memoirs, Girl Meets God. And I've actually got the copy of it that I read in college sitting right here and the copy of the Book of Common Prayer that my dad gave me. Wow. Um, Because that one, gosh, it came out when I was in college, maybe a little bit before. And reading it really felt like being invited into a totally reordered, reframed sense of time. Mm. And at the time I was in college, I was exhausted from the studying and the pace of school. Even though I loved what I was learning, I just was tired. Yeah. Um, and a different way of thinking about and engaging with time sounded like exactly <laughs> exactly what I needed. But again, I didn't even know at the time, I didn't even know what I needed to ask for it. Um, so I'm glad that this book stumbled across my path and her book is ordered with various seasons and, um, some holidays and holy days in both the Jewish year and the Christian year. Um, Mm -hmm. because her experience is, um, growing up in a Jewish context and then finding Christ in the midst of that. And so I love the way that she correlates, um, yeah. all of those and shares her experience. And of course she's just such a beautiful, compelling writer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that gave me another foothold. And so, uh, both of those gave me various footholds. And then towards the end of my college experience, I found the church that I'm still at now Wow. Baptist. So that was familiar. And, um, but also <laughs> liturgical and contemplative, which is another word that I did not know what it meant at the time. Yeah. And, um, it sounds like fancy or dramatic or formal even. <laughs> um, but contemplative just means focused on listening, mm-hmm. focused on waiting. So there are spaces for silence in our worship services on Sunday morning and that are really built into the rhythm of the way that our church does church. Mm. And, um, you know, various prayer services that we have throughout the week or throughout the year there's a lot of silence built in and we, rather than having a whole bunch of church services every week, we don't, we have one on Sunday mornings and then we have prayer, contemplative prayer service on Wednesday evenings. And the rest of the time you're supposed to be like living your life. And I also found that so freeing and encouraging. Um, and the other thing that they taught me and modeled for me that now I try to share in our work is that your work is your prayer and your prayer is your work. Mm. Um, and what, what I learned through that was that the things that I'm praying about day to day for the homeless person that just walked by my front window to have a meal and find a place to rest, mm. that's my work. Like if yeah. I'm not doing anything about that, that's a missed opportunity for me and yeah. for them. <laughs> like yeah. it, it's a disconnect. Um, but also on the flip side, the work that you do every day that you set your hands to, that's your prayer too. And so this last season of life for me has been an abrupt change from 
the, the kind of the pace at which we rolled out Sacred Ordinary Days and our sure. planner and our podcast. Yeah. Um, it's been a departure. And the work that I have set my hands to these last, I don't know, year and a half, maybe a little longer, that's been parenting. Yeah. And not just parenting, but also um, tending to my husband's father, who's dying of ALS. Wow. And tending to my son's first parents, his biological parents, Mm -hmm. who were also family members and loving them and also his brothers. Um, And then also we had a baby. And so it has really freed me up to see that God's invitation for us to pray Mm-hmm. And commandment that we are praying is not something that is cemented and fixed and there's only one way to do it. Instead, it is gracious and spacious. Yeah. There is room to be who you are and to be where you are in your life and to do that faithfully. And so the question that I have been wrestling with this last season is what does faithful even look for me, look like yeah. for me? And I've been surprised at a number of the answers that have come up. Um, For one, what it has looked like for me for a long time has been rest. As an extrovert, as somebody that believes in the work that we're doing and has seen the power that it has in transforming people's lives, I love marketing because it it helps me share, like it's the way that I share what we do and why it's valuable and why it can help. So I'm passionate about it. I mean, if you follow us on Instagram, I counted yesterday. I think I have posted in 2018. It's now like the middle of November. Um, 15 times, 15 times. And a lot of them have been in the last week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and the number of emails that we have sent this year is less than 10. It may even be like five. Um, but that's just because I have needed to tend to my family. I have needed to tend to my own soul and my own heart. I have needed a rest and doing that and doing that well has been the invitation that God has given me to be. Yeah. Um, That's what he gave you to be faithful in right now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm noticing a, a tide turning internally and externally kind of around our work and within me that it feels like time again to start showing up. I have some capacity now Mm. to not only meet the needs of my family and of my own soul, but also now um, meet the needs of other people and serve them through our work. And so I'm excited to get back out there. That sounds kind of weird maybe to say, but no, not at all. um, I, I love connecting with people and hearing about their faith journeys and hearing the places that they're stuck and seeing what might be able to help. Um, meeting with them one-on-one, putting a tool like our planner in their hands or recommending other tools and resources that either have been meaningful to me or that have been meaningful to other members of our community. Yeah. And just saying like, Hey, here, here are some thoughts, you know, based, based on what you have said, you're looking for, here's some places I might look next. There might be some crumbs there for you. Yeah. And, and then kind of seeing where that takes them. I love getting to walk alongside people in that way. I love that. I love that about you specifically. So you have this nature where you want to come alongside people. You haven't really been able to do as much of that in the last couple of years, but I am assuming that kind of harkens back to when you were a spiritual director, right? Is that kind of your, your spiritual director roots coming out? It absolutely is. Yeah. And, and walking with people one-on-one in spiritual direction, um, yeah, you get to 
to hear the intimate details of what's coming up in their prayer life, what's coming up when they read scripture, what's mm-hmm. preventing them from doing those things. Yeah. Um, you get to hear the real stuff of their life. Like, um, well, I know that you love having people walk through a normal day. Yeah. That is hugely telling for people. You can tell immediately looking at their posture, hearing their tone of voice, even if it was like a silent film, or if you just heard that their tone of voice and not the actual words, mm-hmm. you can like, you can tell so much. And so that's another thing that um, I've done with people in spiritual direction when they tell me like, I don't have time to pray, but I want to, yeah. um, I, I can't even hear the voice of God anymore. I can't tell what's my voice, what's God's voice, what is this other person in my life's voice whom I do not trust and do not want to listen to, but they're still all up in my head, right? Like yeah. we all have those people. Um, <laughs> no, I don't have those. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Would that be great? Yeah. Um, or, you know, all of us have egos with various pet pet issues. Yeah. Um, I'll say that like for me, one of my pet issues is that Actually, it's not a pet issue of mine. It's a recent development. And so I have no practice dealing with it because it doesn't normally come up for me. And it has totally taken me back to the beginning and how to like solve a problem when it keeps coming up for you over and over and over and over. So I'll share that. Okay. I am not a person that normally experiences overwhelm. You know, a lot of people will have like various things happening in their life. And the place that they immediately go to is like shut down, overwhelmed, can't imagine a way out, can't see my way through. And I have a lot of issues. That just tends not to be (laughs) one of mine, right? Okay. And so um, normally I'm a problem solver. And so I, you know, I've got a bunch of data input coming from various places, various people. Sure. And I'm pretty good at like synthesizing that and and kind of making a plan and just doing one foot in front of the other, discerning my way through and kind of making my peace with it as I go. Mm-hmm. Not that I never make missteps, not that I always really know where I'm going, but I just know like, this is how life unfolds sometimes. And you got like, you just take steps, you do the next right thing. Love Emily P. Freeman's podcast. I was just going to say, you've got to be a listener right of that, right? <laughs> oh man, she's, she's so great. Um, and she's coming out with a book. Too, oh, called I'm, the next right thing. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yeah, she she does incredible work. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, you just do the next right thing and you make your peace with it as you go, knowing that it's not perfect. You may change how you do it in the future, but I just like running a series of experiments. So I'm going to experiment down this path for a while. If it doesn't turn out how I want, I'm going to do a different experiment, experiment, yeah. and try the next thing. And I I can only kind of make my peace with that. This last season has been so full of doctors, lawyers, caseworkers. Oh, I can only imagine. Various people on both sides of our family. And we've been married long enough that like both sides of our family are my family, right? Like it's not like my husband's family is not my husband's family. My husband's family is my family. Sure. Um, And we've also had a bunch of things happen in the life of our church and in our neighborhood and in our city. We live in Waco, Texas. and. Um, you know, it's been blowing up lately. Yeah, just a little. And gains and a a lot of hard work from a lot of other people, but you know, they're the ones that everybody loves and and is familiar with. And I'm a fan too. They do great work. Yeah. Um. So there's just been a lot of change afoot, and I have found myself for the first time in many years experiencing like, oh, like <laughs> what do I even do next? I can't see my way out of this. I can't devise an experiment. I can't put one foot in front of the other. 
like it just feels heavy. Do you think that motherhood has played into that? It has. I I can do experiments with me and I can do experiments and experiment sounds like science. (laughs) I just mean having the freedom to try something, knowing that if it doesn't work out, that's okay. You try something else. So it's, it's the same process as like doing the next right thing in love. It's just that you might do one thing that's the next right thing, but it's not the long-term path or solution. So you try the next right thing, right? Like that's, that's a lot harder to do with little people, with children. Yes, Um, it is. (laughs) And so we have a nine month old that we had been doing the next right thing. He was an excellent sleeper, slept through the night from like two months on. Nice. And very recently has decided, no, I will not sleep. Never yes, mind, I mom. Teach me. No, you can't sleep either. Oh my gosh. Oh. And so, like, some of the next right things we tried to help him sleep have been unsuccessful. So we're doing more experiments. But it it does feel like the stakes are higher in some ways. Yeah. Um, which which has been a helpful reminder to me that while it really matters how I love my children, the way that I have approached my own life for such a long time, it works for me to trust in the spaciousness and the graciousness of God and to not be worried that making a small decision in the wrong direction is going to forever take me down a different path, that it's going to be irreparable. Mm. If you ask me if I believe those things, I would say, no, I do not believe that one decision in the wrong direction or, you know, what turns out to be the wrong direction is going to, you know, cause irreparable damage. Of course, I don't believe that. God knows us and loves us. And there are there are many paths that can unfold and God will walk with us in all of them. Yeah. And on all of them will draw us to himself, to love um, and invite us to greater faithfulness. Yeah. But in the moment, it feels real hard sometimes. <laughs> and I forget and I need reminders, like everybody, right? Yeah. So as many of you have noticed on Instagram, my mother has canvas photos of her dogs on her walls. Well, I think it's about time that my mother has canvases of her grandchildren on her walls. And that's where this week's sponsor comes in. It's Canvas People. Now, to be fair, my mom does have some old framed photos of my kids, but she really does prefer the canvases, and I love them too. They're such a statement piece with such clean lines, and Canvas People's products are such high quality. I received one of their huge framed photos last year, and I absolutely love it. So if you think that printing some of your favorite photos onto Canvas could be either a great piece in your own home or the perfect gift for someone else this Christmas season, then now as a special, very limited time offer, canvaspeople.com is offering their popular 11 by 14 photo canvases for free. That's right, free. These normally sell for $69.99, but for this week only, you'll pay nothing. Just cover shipping and handling. To get your free canvas, text LOVELY to 797979. Just pay shipping and handling. This offer won't last. Text LOVELY to 797979. That's LOVELY to 797979. Message and data rates may apply, but hey, with this deal, it's totally worth it. You'll have some of your Christmas shopping done and on its way to your door. It is a different thing when what you're doing doesn't just impact you it impacts 
these little people and they don't seem to play by the rules like you're saying that you lay out or the experiments you lay out it does add a different factor to it and I think can add to that sense of overwhelm yeah yeah. so many things being thrown at you and it's more than just yourself you're having to take care of you're having to take care of them too and that can feel a lot harder it, yeah, it has. Um, and with our now three and a half year old in taking care of him, one of the ways that we love him is by loving his first parents, his biological parents. Yeah. And that has been really hard because I there bet. have been a number of things that we have done in love with the greatest level of care that we could and with the most wisdom that we could find, right? Like yeah. we haven't done it perfectly, but we've tried really hard and they have not always been received as love. Yeah. That oh, I'm sucks. sure. That's I mean, it's, hard. it's so hard. And then it's hard to navigate your way forward from that. Sure. But again, you do the best you can do. Um, you learn. You try something else next time. And you trust that, that God is walking with you. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a really good point kind of of this <laughs> section of the podcast to to end on because it's it's so important that to remember that grace, like as long as we're walking and as much wisdom as we can be, then there's grace for the rest of it. Absolutely. And, yeah. and that's why walking with people you trust is helpful. Yeah. Um, whether that's a church community, friends, family, um, that can also help because discernment yeah. matters and yeah, it, it helps to have people that can walk with you either, just as companions or occasionally as guides, as people that are giving input. Um, but also super helpful to know. Um, I can't remember. I read something the other day that, uh, maybe it was Sarah Bessie saying everybody gets a voice. Only certain people get a vote. Um, and I think that's great to know who gets a voice in your life and who gets a vote. There are a lot of voices in my life. They don't all get a vote. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, we, we are allowed to, veto certain voices, you know, because we have to remember not everyone has our best interests at heart or, you know, I mean, we, we have that discerning ability to be able to decide who gets those voices. And I think the closer they are to you is also a good gauge. Like if I've never met me, met you before and you come to me and you tell me that God told you that I need to completely change the direction of my podcast, I'm going to be like, thank you. I'll let you know if he tells me the same thing, (laughs) you know, like I'm not going to take that. But if, you know, someone stranger, you do not get a vote. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And, and I don't even really to a certain extent, have to listen to that voice. Like, I won't be rude to you. I will, you know, I I get to make the decision whether that I even need to listen to that or not, you know. And so it's good to know that. But then, like, for me, the last year, I hadn't had, especially when you've been under, like, having those close voices be the very negative ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Having those people who then step as a wall between that voice and you and are able to tell you the truth even when it still doesn't feel real to you Mm -hmm. after that Mm -hmm. long of being told lies and that is so important to let those that community carry you I mean even in certain things lately where you know this process is just still so long and still going on and 
you get weary from it. And there have been things where I've told my friends, you know, like I just, it's hard to even try to hope for such and such to happen anymore because it just feels like it's impossible. And they've told me, you know, like we will carry that hope for you because we still believe that that is going to happen for you. And so even though you can't, you, you are not able to right now, we will carry it for you. And man, that, that means more than, than anything I could have even realized how important that would be. It, it really does allow me to just say, okay, like I don't even have to worry about trying to hope or thinking about whether that's possible. They're doing it for me right now. And that's hugely comforting. It is. Well, it's necessary, right? I mean, there are, there are people in my life who in this, the, the last season of our life, I've said that it's been like the best and hardest years of my life so sure. far. Um, both are true. Yeah. And yet I have had people that have walked purely in valleys in this same period of time or who have worked purely in joy, celebration. Every good thing is happening. Um, lots of trees they've been watering and pruning for years are just bearing fruit like crazy. And yeah. they just, they, they're happy, not just joyful, but really, really happy. Cause yeah. right, there's both. Yeah. And I think one of the lies that we're often told is that you can't walk with people if they're in a different season. So like if somebody is single and you're married, well, you probably just aren't going to be close friends. Or if somebody is in a really happy place in their life and you're in a hard season, you probably just can't really be friends. Um, False, 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 right? Like we need each other to carry to be carried, to remember our, like, to remember our own strength in carrying other people and also to remember our own weakness and need and, um, vulnerability and to humble ourselves enough to be carried. I'm, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. Is that language that you speak or that? I mean, enough to know what an eight is because I've wondered if I'm an eight as well. I haven't quite figured it out yet, but yes, I get that. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, I found the Enneagram to be a really helpful tool for, uh, it just gives me language to use mm-hmm. um, to explain my experience and to contrast it with other people's experience. People use it as a spiritual formation tool, and I've I found that to be true as well. But eights love to be in charge. We love to be in control. Yeah. And um, it can be hard for me to let myself be carried. It can be hard for me yeah. to let myself rest and relax and trust. Mm-hmm. And yet it is just as important for me as it is for everybody else, maybe even more so because it's so counter to my nature. And um, yeah, we we need each other for those things. Yeah, absolutely. And what you were saying about not just being friends with the people who have your exact same life circumstances. I know that when I was first embarking on the last year of adventure, that was one of the things that was scariest to me because... All of my good friends were stay-at-home, homeschooling moms, living Mm -hmm. very similar lives to me. And Mm -hmm. I just felt like, well, we're not going to have the same things to relate over anymore. They're not going to still want my friendship because... We, we don't have, I'm not going to be talking about homeschooling anymore. I'm a working mom now, you know, like so much has changed. And that to me was a huge marker of their true and deep friendship. And the fact that our friendship was rooted on so much more than those outward commonalities Mm. when they came to me and they're like, no, that has nothing to do with why we like you. 
we like right. you because of who you are and who God made you to be. And we will stand by you because we love you, not because mm-hmm. we love what you do. And wow, that was that was a game changer to have yeah. people just love me for who I am and stand by me, even though our lives look totally different now. And I can still encourage them in what they're doing and they can encourage me in this totally different type of life. And it's only made our friendships richer. And I, yeah, I didn't expect that going in. I think that can be one of the greatest fears when you're changing seasons, whether it's an outward change or an inward change or kind of the confluence of both, that um, you have to find other people who are in the exact same place as you. And that's helpful, right? Like it's helpful to talk to people who um, they practice the prayer of examine, you practice the prayer of examine. It's helpful to talk to people who they're homeschool moms, you're a homeschool mom. It's helpful to talk to people who live on the same block and the same neighborhood in the same city. Like you need people with those common experiences. Um, You just, you just also need other people. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And the people with the various commonalities aren't necessarily the people that, um, make up your inner circle. And that's another part of the work that I do is, um, helping people find people with commonalities that are also very different from them, that Mm. they can learn from, that they can teach, they can be in relationship and conversation with. We had, um, a Facebook group. It's so funny. I'm now like looking back at the timeline of our, of our work with sacred ordinary days and realizing there's so many things that line up that I didn't even realize yeah. At the time, we're all lining up that I've been grateful for. But we, um, in about the first year, a little over a year um, since we started the the business, we grew to about a 4,000 person Facebook group. And that's tiny compared to a lot of Facebook groups. That's huge compared to others. Yeah. For me, it was it was a lot to steward 4,000 people. Um, it was a really active, vocal, spirited fun, thoughtful, deep group. And so you'd have people posting really deep things and, and replying to each other, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 times a day. Wow. And, um, I was so grateful for that to be a part of that conversation, to be a listener. Um, and, and I did more listening than anything else, but it got to a place where I realized there's something, there's something going on here. This is meeting a need for people that, I sort of instinctually knew, instinctively knew rather, um, but, but couldn't have named. And that is that, um, often many of us, as you start plumbing the depths of your faith, you're hungry, you want to go deeper, you want, um, more richness. You want other people who, who geek out about it the way you do and get excited about it and who can teach you and learn from you and talk about it. Um, a lot of us are in places where we don't have that in our local cities, local mm-hmm. congregations, especially for those of us who are learning it and who are coming to it like outside of our church, yeah. um, which is a lot of our community. And um, so, you know, you might go to a centering prayer group at your church if your church offered that sort of thing. But if your church offered that sort of thing, you probably wouldn't need me to teach you about it. (laughs) And so we found that um, people were really hungry for that. And often people were finding themselves in positions of leadership. And as a person in a position of leadership, they also needed places that they could come and just be a learner Mm -hmm. and sit at someone else's feet 
and like relax and trust that they were going to get good stuff. Again, continuing to use their own discernment and their own wisdom as to what was and wasn't a right fit for them. But, um, you know, they like, just because you're a pastor or preacher or priest, a bishop, you need people to learn from too and to learn alongside that are outside of your normal context. And so we closed that Facebook group and have opened and are getting ready to relaunch um, our community common house. And the idea is that it, all of the various denominations and the beauty of those traditions are so rich and so vibrant and so valuable. And I have no desire to water any one of them down and combine them. Mm-hmm. Um, and to say that as followers of Christ, we should all worship the exact same way on Sunday mornings. We should all pray the exact same way. We should all um, experience God the same way. Sure. Heck no. Right. Like, yeah. There's so much beauty in the various expressions of people's faith, Um, but we do need to learn from each other and we do need to be in conversation with one another. And what the Methodists are learning um, on Tuesday nights matters in conversation with what the Catholics are doing on Sunday morning and the non-denominational folks who all think they're a part of, you know, like not a, (laughs) not a denomination at all, but you know, really kind of are, you know, um, which which, like, that's great. No worries there. That's what I, I I just, I laugh because I grew up in Calvary chapels and we, you know, always say, oh, we're totally non-denominational, but there is a way that Calvary chapel does what they do. You know, it's just like, you have to acknowledge that. Yeah. They don't call it that, but liturgy just means the work of the people. And so, um, when people say, like the liturgy on a Sunday morning, they mean roughly the order of worship, the sure. way that things are done. And it's just the way, like the work of the people, it's the way that people are working out their faith in worship on a Sunday morning is kind of generally what people mean. Yeah. Um, but again, you won't find that in a dictionary. I had to like yeah. learn, <laughs> learn it to be a translator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there are so many various beautiful experiences. And one tradition really values silence. Another tradition really values discernment and has a process for that. Another, I mean, within the Catholic church, you'll find the Benedictines and the Jesuits and the, um, you know, all all these various different traditions within a larger tradition. Sure. There's so much we can learn from each other, but it doesn't come in watering it down. It comes in learning and giving people the floor to teach. And so that's been one of the things that we've done in Common House and that we're getting ready to relaunch and reinvite people into is a place that you can come and learn the many ways that the church has prayed and find the way that God is inviting you to in this season. Um, And you can come and be a part of conversations about scripture because we'll be reading the lectionary together. If that's up your alley, great. If not, find something else. Be a part of another conversation. Um, And also listen to and notice the season of life that God has you in, whether it's about the external details or the internal details, like I've said, Mm -hmm. um, and find people to journey with. And yeah. so I'm excited to to relaunch that and um, get it going again. That's exciting. I've I've been noticing noticing a lot of those same themes of people just really craving community, and and that's yeah. something that we're we're looking towards adding a lot in. We have a Patreon community, and and yeah, really bringing that more in in 2019. That aspect of 
people want to have relationship with others and what that can look like. And so it's fun to hear you kind of going through that same thing and, and seeing those same needs. Oh man, are you guys just wanting to dive deeply into all those things that Jen was talking about? I know when I got done doing the episode with her, I just wanted to go like read all the things because she just makes it so compelling and I know it's a great way, especially in this holiday season where we're wanting to go deeper to bring some of these things in. If you would like the show notes from this episode, you can go to boldturquoise.com slash 092 to get all the links to everything that we mentioned. And be sure to tune in next week when we'll be going even deeper and finishing this episode out with everything advent and all that fun stuff you're not going to want to miss it so if you haven't hit that little subscribe button and whatever podcast listener you use you should do so now that way it will be sure to download directly to your phone or whatever gadget you're using to listen to these podcasts right away we've got lots more fun stuff coming this holiday season and i would love to connect with you guys more if you aren't following me on instagram that's pretty much the number one place to find me i love connecting with you guys I love when you reach out and leave me dms and comments especially on my insta stories it's so much fun for me so please join me at Mackenzie Kappa on instagram I would love to connect with you there all right have a wonderful time wrapping up your november I will see you in december and until then go be bold and gracious As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.